you're in church, and as the preacher walks up to the pulpit, he takes his Bible and he tells you to take yours and to turn to Matthew chapter 28. Now, at this point, you really don't know how to feel, but you're a little tired and maybe even a bit frustrated because you've heard so many messages out of Matthew chapter 28. You know where he's going. You know which verses he's going to read. Verse 19 and 20, it's the Great Commission. And you're reminded again just how much you don't measure up with your responsibility in telling others about Christ. You're doing what you can. At least you think you are. You're giving what you can. But somehow it's just not enough. Have you ever felt this way? You know, oftentimes the things that are so familiar in our life, they either become so commonplace that we overlook them or we just grow to disdain them. And that would be a shame if we felt that way with Matthew chapter 28 because it is such a rich passage and so much is going on that we don't even read. We often go immediately to verse 19 and 20 because that's what we think about as we consider the Great Commission. But the disciples have so much going on and there's so much that God is doing, that Christ is doing in their lives that we can learn from. So with all that said, let's take our Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 28. I'm Damon Matichera. Let's talk missions. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm glad that you've tuned in once again as we continue this discussion around the Great Commission. And it is quite the discussion. No matter how many times you've had it, no matter how familiar you are with this topic, I feel there's always something that we can learn. And there's always an element that maybe we've overlooked because like I said earlier, the things that we are so familiar with, we tend to easily just kind of skim over. And so we don't want to do that. We want to really understand what is it to be involved in this mission that God has for his children all around the world. But before we get there, before we open up the Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 28, uh, we gave a question last week online and we had a couple of replies. We wanted to look at them really quick. The question was, fulfilling the Great Commission is not solely about what we can accomplish, but what God is accomplishing in us. What work is God doing in you as you fulfill the Great Commission? Now, often we, all, we always focus on the people who are receiving the gospel as the work that God has in the Great Commission. But don't forget that you are just as, as much a part of it as those that are getting saved because God is doing a work in you as well. So Laura from Sierra Leone, she wrote that the work that God was doing in her, she said, trusting him more. She's learning to trust him more. And that is a lesson that we all need to learn more of, uh, that we need to trust him, that he knows best. He knows what he's doing. And even as we are out there preaching the gospel uh, and we're putting ourselves out there in situations and circumstances that we feel are out of our control and maybe give us a little awkwardness and we're, it's a little intimidating. Uh, all of that is going on and we just have to trust God that he can go before us, that he can give us the words to say, that he can give us his spirit and his guidance as we live for him, as we live by faith and as we tell others about him. Uh, on the foreign mission field, uh, trusting him is a must because we are 
put in situations where all we can do is trust Him. And I think that's something that we each should take to heart, is that let's trust Him. Let's trust Him more, not just to accept Him by faith in salvation, but now that we are saved, let's live by faith and let's apply that faith to our daily life. Sherry, she wrote in, she said, using us to help and comfort others. Uh, I think this is true because that's what the Great Commission in a nutshell is all about. Uh, we need to be investing in other people. And if other people are to feel like we are genuine and that the message we have is legit, uh, they need to have that connection like, like we actually care about them. It's not like we're trying to sell a car and we're trying to you know, talk people into you know, signing at the, the dotted line. That's not what this is all about. We're not trying to rack up numbers so that we can have a, you know, a really large tally by the end of the month. That's not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is about investing in people. Are you investing in people? Am I investing in people? Um, we need to help them. We need to try to comfort them, to bring them to the place in their life where they can accept Christ, where they can know more about him. Um, Lisa, she wrote from Zambia, Africa. Uh, that's my wife. There she is, writing, teaching me that my weakness doesn't hinder him. He just needs my obedience. Uh, a great observation because for me, at least, it's a comfort knowing that even with my shortcomings, he still wants to use me and he can use me. A lot of people are out there perhaps and they're thinking, can God use me? Does God even want to? Um, I have a past. I even have a present with some things I'm trying to work through. Does God want to use me? Well, are you willing? Are you available? Are you teachable? If we are trying our best to follow him, well, he wants to use you. He wants to do something with your life. He just needs your obedience. Great observation, Lisa. Daniel, I think from Ohio, he wrote, helping more at my church trying to learn more things around the church to take unnecessary pressure off. Um, a great lesson, uh, Daniel, because if everyone in the church learned this, then I think we would you know, have a healthier church. The church would be active and moving forward in a greater way because people would all be participating. People would have ownership and they would be looking at their church and they would be saying, I wanna do something. I wanna be involved. I wanna get together with my friends and serve the Lord. So thank you everyone for writing in. We love it when people, they write in questions, comments to different things, They're just participating with what we're trying to do here as we talk missions. If you wanna write in, uh, you can go on our website at hopezambia.com and just go to the contact page and you can write an email. Or if you're connected already with us online, on Facebook or Instagram, Again, feel free to send us a message. We want to hear from you. So today, we're going to be talking about the Great Commission. That's right. Take your Bibles. We're looking at Matthew chapter 28. And the Great Commission is an amazing topic. So much is going on. We're looking, though, at verse 16. We're not going right away to verse 19. Don't worry. We're going to get there. But right now, verse 16. And as we look at the Great Commission, remember... It's not so much about what we're doing, but it's about what God is doing in our lives. And that's what we're going to focus on today. As the disciples in Matthew chapter 28 were going about their day, living their lives on the way to Galilee to meet up with Christ, God was doing a work in them just as much as they were meant to be doing a work out in the world. 
So in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. And this is, this is really good because earlier in, in chapter 26, Jesus had given them instructions. He said, but after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. And so there the disciples are. They eventually meet up with Jesus, but understand that before they had met up with him in Galilee, Jesus had appointed this mountain. He told them, this particular mountain, I'm going to be here in Galilee, and I want you to meet me there. Jesus went before them, and they followed. There was an element of obedience. And the first point that I want to look at today, especially as we evaluate our own lives, is that obedience cultivates worship. Their obedience in following Christ and following after him into Galilee led them to a place where they were near to him and they were able to worship him. You know, obedience cultivates worship. As we talk about cultivating, we know a little bit about it because all the people, especially in the village here in Zambia, they're farmers. And as they cultivate the land, they're taking a plot of land, a field, a garden, they're developing it. They're making it better. They're taking it and they're using it to grow something, to bear fruit. And that is exactly what obedience does. Your obedience to God will bring you to a place. It's going to develop your life and cultivate it and bring you to a place where you are able to worship him. The disciples here in verse 16 and 17, they were, they were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. They were in the right place at the right time. And on the eve of his death, Jesus had appointed the location of where he wanted them to meet them. They had followed through. They had followed him expecting that Jesus was going to be where he said he was going to be. And he was. You know, and things weren't that great at this point in the disciples' lives. They were going through a lot. I mean, Jesus had just died. And yes, while he had revealed himself to them in that room while they were hiding out, they were afraid. They were afraid for their lives. They didn't know what was going on. Uh, they didn't really know how things were going to play out or if they would see Jesus or when they would see Jesus. They didn't know if they were going to be killed. Um, they were kind of in limbo during this point. So in their fear, they're still following to over to Galilee. A few of them didn't even know what to expect in light of their recent failures. You had Peter who denied Christ three times. You had Thomas who had just displayed a measure of doubt. But even with all of that going on, these disciples, they still obeyed. And that's a great lesson in itself. Even if you have doubt, you know what, what advice I can give you? It's just obey. Just do what you know is right. Maybe you have doubt. Maybe you're not in a good place. As the disciples, maybe they were kind of in not the best place, but they still obeyed. And all of this led them to a place in their lives where all they could do was worship Christ. Their obedience led them to worship. Which begs the question, where does your obedience lead you? What is your obedience leading you to do? You know, the path of obedience will always lead you in submission to God's word. It's always going to lead you to do God's will, to promote Christ. It's going to bring you to that place of worship. It's going to cultivate worship. 
You can't be obedient to God while ignoring the Bible. A lot of people, are try, they try that. They try to say, I'm a Christian and I'm obedient, but oh, yeah, I don't need to read the Bible or I don't need to follow through with the Bible. But the Bible is our authority. It's our absolute authority. A notion that the world today is just downright rejecting. They reject anything that has to do with when you say absolute authority. How can you have an authority? How can you have an absolute authority? Because then you are claiming absolute truth. You're claiming a sense of morality. You're claiming that there is right and wrong. While the world claims that you can create your own truth, that you can do whatever you want, and your truth is yours and my truth is mine, but the Bible says no. The Bible says this is truth. God's word is truth. A lot of what we do in our life is based on what brings us happiness instead of whether it has a biblical precedent. And that's a dangerous place to be in, especially as we talk about obedience and obedience cultivating worship, because ultimately we want to be in a place where we can worship God. Isn't that why we're here? We're here to give God glory. I think we talked about that last week as well. And so if we're basing every decision on our happiness, instead of bringing us to a place uh, where we know God wants us to be based on, a, on the Bible, then we're just going to end up doing what makes us feel good, what makes us feel right instead of what is right based on God's word. Remember one thing. True happiness is based on a foundation of God's word. It's based on obeying him and being where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do as you elevate Christ and his word. So obedience will lead you to evaluate your own walk with God. It's going to make you look at yourself as you're trying to fulfill uh, what God wants you to do. The disciples, as they were on that road going to Galilee, to that exact mountain where they met up with Christ, you know they weren't thinking about what they were going to have for lunch. They weren't thinking about, you know, maybe a grudge they had with their neighbor. They were thinking about Christ. They were on the way. And I, I mean, I'm just thinking... That's all that was on their mind. They were going to meet with the one that they had followed, the one that they had seen crucified, the one that was risen from the dead, and here they are going to meet him. And by the time they got there, their obedience was cultivating worship. And they were ready to worship by the time they met up with him. People want an experience with God before actually accepting his will and following through. They want to hear from God. They want God to speak to them, but they don't want to obey his voice. You know, people treat God in the same way that maybe a child treats his parent when he's told what to do. If I tell my child, go clean your room, and they always say, why? How should I do it? Why should I do it? Uh, well, if they're really interested in knowing why or in which way they should do it, that's one thing. But if they're just asking why combatively to escape the job that I have for them, well, that's disobedience. And today, a lot of Christians have no desire to learn about God or his will. They question God, but they're questioning him in an effort to change his will, not to submit to it. People want proof, like Thomas wanted proof. They want God to show them a sign from the heavens. But Thomas, he was known for his doubts. We don't want to be known for that. We want to have faith. We want to live by faith. But if you're going to wait for everything to be in order before you decide to follow Jesus, then you're going to be waiting a long time because nobody's life has reached a place where there's you know, nothing going on that might hinder us from following through. There's always going to be that thing 
in our life that problem, that challenge, that situation. And so just commit to obey. If you want to reach that place of worship in your life, just as the disciples did, then commit. Obedience is not always pleasant. You're not always going to be happy about what you're doing. <laughs> and you're not always going to understand God's reasons. People, they say, well, I'm not going to blindly follow anyone. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe, but what about God? Isn't the, doesn't the Bible say that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? You know, so many times people want to employ a conditional obedience. They say, I'll obey if it's good for me. I'll obey if I agree with what I'm being told to do, uh, if it makes me happy or if it makes me comfortable. But since when should our obedience to God be conditional? Only through obedience, complete obedience, without conditions, unconditional obedience, only through that can you reach a place of worship in your life. We're not to question, we're not to counter, we're not to negotiate, we are simply to obey. And that obedience will bring us to a place of worship. And as we worship, that brings and it shows submission to our life as we serve Christ. And as we look at verse 17 now, Matthew 28, verse 17, the disciples, they had followed Jesus to this mountain in Galilee. They were obedient, and that obedience cultivated a spirit of worship. And that's where we're picking up in verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And so they met with Jesus, they finally reach him, and there he is. And all they can do at this point is to fall on their knees in worship. That is their first instinctive response, is to respond in worship. Their obedience led them to Christ, and then that worship showed their submission. And Jesus, what does he say? He accepts that worship, and he accepts his divine right to worship having all power in heaven, all power in earth to do anything that he wants. And that's what he says, all power is given unto me. See, this is why we worship him. We are submitting to him. He has all power. He has all power. There is nothing that he cannot do. This is the Jesus that we are submitting to. Please understand this with me. Jesus is not weak. Sometimes we portray the Great Commission um, as God's will that needs to be done. But the only way that God's will can be done is if you commit, is if you do something and participate. Listen, God doesn't need you. Jesus doesn't need me. God's will definitely will move forward with or without you or me. God is God. He is all-powerful. He doesn't need us. And you might say, well, why then should we participate? What is our purpose then if God doesn't need us? Listen, God doesn't need you, but God wants you. Because remember, God has all power in heaven and in earth. Jesus has all power, and he deserves all glory. And that is the very reason for your existence, the very reason you were born, the very reason that you have in your life is to bring glory to God. That's why even in Matthew, the Bible says that when we have good works, that men should see these good works and, and do what? And to glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our very life should be bringing God glory. Jesus is seeking glory from his children. When you come to him in obedience, you are giving him glory. 
when you worship him, when you show that submission in your life, just as the disciples were doing on this mountain in Galilee, that glorified him. And you glorify him by doing the same. Worship brings you to a place of submission in your life. And that is what our purpose is all about. Listen, do you want to fulfill your purpose, the very reason for your existence? Sure, we all do. I mean, we get fulfillment in that. I mean, as, as his creation, that is what we were meant to do. Well, submit yourself to him. Worship him. Obey him. Fulfill your purpose. Remember what we already established a few minutes ago, in that committing to the mission is not so much about what we are doing and what we are accomplishing, but rather it is what God is accomplishing in our lives. When you're submitting to God, you're submitting to a Christ that has all power. It is our worship, our acknowledgement of this power that brings us to a place of submission. It's our worship of Him, giving Him the preeminence, giving Him the glory, and not, not hoarding it for ourselves, not taking it. We want recognition. We all do. We all live for that. We love it when someone acknowledges our sacrifice or our contribution. But we have to prioritize that Jesus, he has all power. He is the one who deserves everything. He deserves worship. He deserves worship from you, and he deserves it from me. A lot of times, though, I wonder if we truly understand what submission to God's will is all about. Because I wonder if we understand what worship is all about. When we go to church, we go and we worship, but people have such an attitude about worship, and it kind of just leaves me wondering. How many times have you heard people say, as they go to church, and they say, well, church was great, the preaching was great, but the worship, I don't know. It wasn't lively. Uh, the music was just, it wasn't upbeat. It didn't really... I didn't have that feeling of worship. Maybe the song leader didn't have a good voice. Maybe it was too short. It was too long. Uh, you know, this or that. And we critique worship as if it was meant for us. We go through and we just list off all the things in which it wasn't acceptable for us. But yet, at the same time, it wasn't meant for us. Worship should be for God. Worship is for Christ. He is the object of worship. And so we can critique worship in the church all we want, but at the end of the day, it is Christ that must be pleased with the worship. He is the one who gets to acknowledge whether it is acceptable or unacceptable. He is the one who gauges whether it is worship in spirit and in truth or worship that is worldly and fleshly. And sadly today, worship uh, has become more about us Worship has become about our desires and giving us what we want. And I feel like churches in some way are catering to people and giving them what they want instead of looking at Christ and, and just purely submitting to him because that is what the goal of worship is. It's not about the experience. It's not about you feeling great about yourself and me feeling super holy. It's about Christ. It's about uplifting his name. And yes, there is that emotional component in worship. We're not robots. God has made us uh, emotional creatures. We have emotions. And when I'm singing a great hymn of the faith, if I'm singing, It is well with my soul, 
there is something about that song that just speaks to me, and I feel it, and I feel God's Spirit bearing witness with mine, with the message and, and just the backing from Scripture that is speaking to me. There is, the, there is that emotional component. So I'm not, I'm not saying there isn't, but worship, it, it's not swinging to a pop Christian culture which is designed to invoke an emotional response. And this is what we're seeing more and more of. And I, see, I think that there's a great confusion between worship today and entertainment. But how do we know the difference? Because there is that emotional component. You know, when God's people employ the same techniques in church as Broadway does on the stage, then at the end of the day, all we have is a good show. And I think we have to be careful that we're not just giving people what they want in the effort to compensate for the lack of God and His power, for the lack of His Spirit moving and working in the hearts of men and women. We don't want to replace the Holy Spirit with a bunch of technological gizmos and gadgets to make a more ambiance and to make it a more spiritually uplifting uh, mood. We don't, it's not a mood that we're trying to create. It's God's Spirit. You know, even if you look at history, when there was a, a great revival, there was never the ambiance and the mood music and the dimmed lights and all of that. There was the preaching of God's Word. Men and women responding to that preaching and submitting themselves to God. And that was worship. That, was, that, that is what worship is always based on. Worship is always born from an obedience to God and His Word. Worship does invoke an emotional reaction, but more importantly, it invokes a spiritual response between your spirit and God's. But it's about submitting to Him and submitting to the Word of God. We can't remove the Bible from this equation. We can't remove the Bible and submitting to His Word uh, and, and replace it with, you know, fo a fog machine and background lights. I mean, that's just not the same. And it's not going to accomplish the same thing. The disciples, they worshipped a Jesus. They had all power. And they acknowledged that, even though they had doubts. And that's what the Bible says. But, the, but some of them had doubts. What is verse uh, 17? It says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some, they even doubted. But even with their doubts, they still moved forward. Even with doubts, they still walked all the way to Galilee, all the way to that mountain. And when they saw Jesus, they worshipped. And as they got closer to him, I think their doubts evaporated. I think their doubts disappeared. Today, people just want to, they want a reason to quit. People, they, 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 they have challenges. They have things in their life. They have problems. Everybody does. But some people, they just want to quit. Even if they have doubts, they want to quit. The disciples had doubts, and they kept moving forward. And that should be an encouragement to us. Keep on moving forward. Maybe if you don't have all the answers, we'll keep looking for the answers. But don't quit. Don't give up, because God has not given up on you. The result of their worship led them to a place of submission, and this is the result of a yielded life. We see that in the disciples. Remember, those doubts are going to come, but the closer you get to Jesus, the, the, the more that those doubts are just going to get smaller and smaller. 
And the next thing you know, you're not even going to be thinking about them anymore. You're going to be so focused on Christ. You're going to be at a place of worship and submission in your own life that's born from obedience to God's word. And this is exactly what we see in the life of the disciples. A, a completely yielded life will commit even if the cost is great. In Matthew chapter 28, now at our most famous verses, verse 19 and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So initially we saw that the disciples' obedience cultivated worship. And their worship brought submission. It showed that submission in their life. They were submitting to that power of Christ. They were submitting to a God who had all power in heaven and in earth. And now, number three, submission produces sacrifice. The disciples, they went to Galilee in obedience. They acknowledged his power. And as Jesus approached them, their first response was worship. The natural result of all of this is going to lead you to willing sacrifice. Worship always leads to sacrifice. And this brings us to the well-known passage of Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. This is what we know as the Great Commission. When you think Great Commission, you think these particular verses. But we can't get there until we've reached until we've had obedience in our life, until that obedience has cultivated worship and that worship submission. And then eventually, God requires sacrifice. The Great Commission is about sacrifice. It's about His sacrifice, and it's about ours as we tell His story and make disciples both near and far. I think Jesus knew what would be required from His disciples, and that's why He gives them these words of comfort. And he says, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Will Jesus be with you as he was with them? Will he? Think about this. He is comforting them. He knows they're going to have challenges. They're going to even have more doubts perhaps later on. But he says, I'm going to be with you. I'm always going to be with you even until the end of the world. Is this same promise, is it still valid for us today? I think it is. If it is, well then, are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to commit to the extent that you are willing to give, to give something of intense value? You see, worship prepares our heart for sacrifice. When you worship, it is with the intention of, of giving of yourself. A sacrifice is only a sacrifice if what you give has value. We're more than happy oftentimes to give of what we have in abundance. And this reminds us of the story of the widow and her two mites. She gave, and though her gift was significantly smaller than everybody else, her gift wasn't measured by what she gave, but by what was remaining. See, everyone else, they had so much more in their pocket than actually what they had given. And I think the, this truth is even for us today. Your gift is judged by God, not by what you give, uh, not by what it is that you're giving, but rather by what is remaining, what you have left. 
If you give to God, but yet you have so much more in store, and so it's not really a sacrifice, well, then God doesn't acknowledge it as a sacrifice. You see, we want all the good that this world has to offer, and yet we still want to live for Jesus as well. We boast of being ready and willing to die for our faith. But yet Christ, he, he wants you to live for him. I mean, maybe there will come a, a place and a time where we have to be willing for that ultimate sacrifice. But we're not there quite yet. Right now, Christ is asking, will you live for me? Will you live for me daily? Jesus, he said, if any man will follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's just the choices that you make day in and day out, those choices that reflect a faith that is living, that reflect a worship, a worshipful spirit where you are submitting to him. We know Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Have you presented yourself as a living sacrifice? today, and then tomorrow, and the day after that. Are you willing to live for him? I mean, maybe one day you'll have to give your life for the cause of Christ. God has a plan for each and every one of us, but I know one thing for sure. God's plan for all of us today is to live for him. The disciples, they changed the world, and they gave their lives for a cause that they truly believed in. And I think all of them, but one, they were martyred for their faith. That is the extent of their commitment. That is because they believed in the cause that they were behind. Listen, what cause are you willing to give your life for? What cause are you willing to live your life for? We all have a cause that we live for. What is that cause? Is it for your future? Is it for your just enhancement? Are you, is it for your promotion at work? Is it just for comfort and for living out the American dream? Is it just to enjoy life and to enjoy the blessings of God? What are you living your life for today? Remember we talked about the reason for our existence is to worship God. You know, obedience cultivates worship. It, it brings us to a place where we're acknowledging him and his preeminence, and his glory. And we're recognizing his power and how Christ, he has all power in heaven and in earth. And we recognize that we don't <laughs> and that we're so small and insignificant. But yet, even as small and insignificant as we are, nothing gives God more glory than when a lost sinner repents and turns from their sin and turns to him. And when we have a part in that, in that redemptive process where we are presenting the message, where we're presenting what Christ has done and how Christ wants to forgive them and they accept it, nothing gives God more glory than that. And that is why you exist. That is why the church is there. That is why we are all here to give God glory. Worship brings submission, and submission produces sacrifice. That's what it's all about. It brings us to sacrifice. But we're not going to reach that place where, we're, we, where we are willing to uh, commit to this great commission. We're not going to reach that place until 
we prioritize, until we look at Christ and we focus on Him, it's not about performance, being performance-driven, and you know, like I said before, getting all the numbers. It's about worshiping Christ. Why are we in, in Zambia? Because we love Jesus. We are here definitely because we want to see people saved. But I look at that as more of a result, as a fruit of the real reason of why we're here in Zambia. We're here because of Christ and we want our life to give him glory. And why should you be serving him in America? Because you want your life to give him glory. That is the whole purpose for everything. And so let your life give him glory. Do just that. Commit. Be all in. Focus on him. And be like the disciples. Be intentional. Be intentional as you go to meet with Christ. Go uh, expecting to meet with him. And when you do, worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship him with a worship that is based on him, not on you and your preferences and desires, not on a, a superficial uh, worship that is not real, but it's only based on entertainment. Worship him in submission as you submit to his word, as you submit to his will. And as you submit, be ready to commit. And that commitment will allow you to sacrifice. And it's not a sacrifice that you should be like just fearful of. It's not a, a sacrifice that you should be just dreading. It's a sacrifice that by the time you reach the end, you are going to be happy. You're going to be joyful that you are able to sacrifice and to give to God. And so we have a great work to do. We have the honor of representing him, to be his ambassadors. But it's, again, it's not all about what we are doing, but it's about what God is doing in us. It's about what God is doing in you. And look today at what God is trying to produce in you, what he is doing to cultivate your life, to make you more like Christ. So thank you again for tuning in. Uh, you know, it's always a great time when we can come together and talk about the Great Commission. I feel like this topic is so vast and there are so many things to discuss as we look at this responsibility. Uh, remember to follow us wherever you normally go to when you listen to podcasts. Join the discussion and comment. Uh, if you're on Facebook, we would love to hear from you. Again, you can go to our website. If you're interested in learning more about who we are, uh, the Matachara family and our ministry at Hope Zambia International, uh, please go to our website at hopezambia.com. And there you're going to find everything, everything from newsletters and how to sign up if you're not getting them already, uh, to what we're doing here, what the ministry here is all about, and even how you can be involved. We have a lot of projects going on, and everything we do can only be accomplished with people like you, with the donations that we get to keep the work moving forward. So let's get busy. Let's not just talk about it. Again, right now we're talking, we're joining this discussion together, but there's a time to talk and there's a time for action. And that time for action is right now. I'm Damon Matichero. You're listening to the Let's Talk Missions podcast. Have a great day and God bless. <music>